Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Jits Blues Podcast. I'm Kelty. And I'm Marty. And today we're talking about white belts. Or being a white belt. Being a white belt, yeah. But first I think we need to address something. <laughs> sorry. What are, we, what are we addressing? We're Sorry we suck at being consistent sometimes. Oh, I know. Sorry to the fans out there. To the fans. No, but to be honest, a couple people, because we were late one week, which is not completely out of character no, for us. Yeah. And then we took a week off without really kind of telling anybody or announcing it. And people were actually like really sweet about it. Like mm-hmm. I had people be like, oh, you know, when's this week's episode coming out and everything. So it's cool to know that people actually listen to this. Yeah, and that they actually missed an episode or they thought they were missing an episode. So that was really nice to, to hear. But yeah, it kind of things out of our out of our control. Like I work shift work, so it just kind of fell on a specific set of days that I was working night shift for a couple of weeks and then there was you're busy I was with your stuff. Stupid busy for a bit. Life is better now, but it yeah. was it was pretty crazy for a bit. It still is a little bit crazy. Like I think Haas and I've just sort of accepted that this is going to be our lives if this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And so it's just always going to be some level of insanity, yeah. you know, which is great. Like we're doing like, like you have to remind yourself that like you're doing things that other people wish they could do. Right. Which is really nice. But at the same time, sometimes you're like, man, I just need a weekend of nothing. Yeah. Um, nobody really sees the the background chaos that goes into a well-oiled machine that you guys have created um, with the gym and planning to move and change locations. And then there's promos for upcoming events and there's kids stuff and then there's yeah. planning the curriculums. Like I never really realized, I thought it, I, I used to think Haas just like would wing it. Yeah. <laughs> and reality and is reality, it's the exact opposite of that. It's like, the exact opposite. Haas is a very, we're getting, whatever. Um, Haas is a very thorough, meticulous person and he does everything with intention. So if he's made a decision on something or decided to implement something, you know that he's thought through every aspect. And I, and if you're, if this is if your first time listening in or you've never tried jiu-jitsu before and you're looking for a gym, um, Haas is very meticulous and it, and it shows with the structure and how he runs classes and I've been to a few other gyms really around the world and a lot of black belts do just wing it they yeah. just show up and they're like well what do I feel like what do you guys want to learn today and I'm like I don't know like yeah. you're the black belt here but yeah like Haas is very different than a lot of other instructors and it shows with how well people are progressing and how fast they're progressing and what we're learning like some some people that are white belts are learning things that I didn't learn until blue belt. Oh, me too. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I think that it's, and, but I think that like also too, like, and this is sort of getting back us back on track a little bit, but I think the expectation for blue belt and even, you know, four stripe white belt is getting higher because of where the sport is at now, Mm -hmm. you know, like the level of information that's accessible is so much higher now than it was 10 years ago. Right. I think even from when you and I started, you know, four or five years ago, Yeah. there's so much more information now. There's so much more transparency about like people and how they, um, 
how they learn and different coaching techniques and everything like that. So as a result, like the sport is becoming elevated and the expectations are becoming elevated. So I think it's a good thing. Yeah, and I've even heard um, people that have come and visited our gyms if they do a drop-in or they're here at the open mat and they say our white belts are above anywhere else that they've trained, which is really nice to hear. Um, but yeah, that kind of ties into like what we're going to talk about today is our journeys, white belts. <laughs> Man, so I remember like my first competition at white belt, like thinking back and like having this conversation now. And I remember my first competition. I don't think I knew what a sweep was. No? <laughs> I oh, don't wow. think I did. Well, like I understood like what a sweep was, but I don't think I understood like how points are awarded with a sweep, you know? I had no idea. My first competition was sub only and I was very, I was happy because I didn't understand the point system at all. For a couple of years, I didn't understand the point system. I still don't really. Because <laughs> I go for the sub. Bro. It's not that hard. <laughs> it isn't. It's not that complicated. Um, you just really just got to pay attention a little bit more yeah. to like how it's, how the points are awarded and how to get them and how to maintain um, positions and it, it did take me a little bit longer because I really didn't care honestly that was my biggest thing is I just did not care yeah you're just <laughs> so, like I see red and I go for blood. I go for I go for blood but the Haas has been he's changed a little bit where he does explain this will get you points this yeah. is how many points you get for this position which has been very helpful for me uh, because I do want to know especially in higher competition like I think purple and up you're more likely to go win by points than you are submissions. Completely. The yeah. level of like jujitsu at that point is so high that you see these like intense black belt matches that go on for 10 minutes and they're mm -hmm. one on advantages. Yeah. Like really chintzy stuff that you're going to win by and like white and blue belt. I've noticed like you can fight for a minute and yeah. you get the sub or you get a good sweep and you, you can maintain top position for the entire, entire round. That doesn't happen at higher belts. Like that's so the competition the is so much more like higher. Like, mm -hmm. It's scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for that. I definitely feel nervous about it. <laughs> like I'm excited about it. You know, I really wish I would have gotten in more competition experience at white belt. Me now too. that being said, and I know I've said this before on this podcast, but I don't think that. I think you need to be a couple months in before you start competing at white belts. I agree. That's my, and I know not everybody agrees with that, but like, I think you need at least some, you know, understanding of what to do from all the basic positions, not necessarily every guard, but like basic positions before you should enter into a competition like yeah you'll learn a lot in competition but if you go out there you don't even remember what you did yeah you know <laughs> you yeah. have no idea what happened or you just get like it was all a blur. stupid move and you just get subbed right away like yeah saying it was all a blur uh, I, I, when you're a blue belt and i think higher like me i can remember exactly what i did yeah. in certain most most of my competitions as blue belt i remember exactly what happened because i was very specific in what i wanted to do um, white belt, I remember being a blur. Yeah. Because I didn't know what I was doing, and I just went for like really went for the kill. Because I was like, I only had one or two submissions in my back pocket. I had no takedowns. I I remember the night before my first competition, I stayed late with Haas on a Friday, 
And I was like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> like, tell me what you want me to do. Show, like, tell me what takedown you want me to do. And he showed me this takedown and that was my go-to takedown and I messed it up so bad and got into the worst position. So for some white belts when they're first competition, I always, I like to ask them, like, what's your, what's your go-to takedown? Yeah. What's your go-to submission? Yeah. And you should have one. I agree. Yeah. If you're going to compete, like yes. you should have one if you're going to compete. And if you don't have that, maybe you should try to get a couple in your arsenal and then, then decide to compete. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be safer for you. It'll be safer for your part, uh, like your, your opponent. Um, but then you'll have a plan. Yeah. Going in there and just winging it, sometimes you're just going to, it's not a great idea. You might just get smashed. Mm-hmm. So for you, what was the, the worst part of white belt? Not necessarily being a white belt, but like your white belt journey. There were, there were a few things um, that I had to experience that are kind of make or break for a lot of people. I was very fortunate that my journey in like coming up in, as a hockey player and as a police officer, I'm used to getting like yelled at and getting smashed and getting beat up and getting told you suck and using <laughs> that as motivation to right. become better. So when I first started with Haas at a, at a former gym, it was a couple of white belts that were never done it before, Haas, who was a black belt and then a purple belt and there was no in between. And so us white belts would drill together, but then get smashed every single day. I don't think I won us like a rolling match for maybe the first seven, eight months. Wow. I got smashed every day and I went, I was there almost every day um, coming up. And so it was like demoralizing, but at the same time, I was like loving it because I felt like, man, this guy, this black belt and this purple belt, this purple belt was about the same size as me. And he just did whatever he wanted to me. And I'm like, man, I want to be able to do that. Like I didn't like not winning and I didn't like someone manhandling me, um, especially for my job. I'm like, I don't ever want this to happen. So I need to know what he's able to do. Why can't I do it? And so that can be a make or break with some people that haven't had that happen to them before, or they've never experienced that type of struggle. So I found that was tough to deal with, but me being stubborn, I just kept coming back. And then through white belt, I found I plateaued a lot. There's a lot of times where I would show up and get smashed by people that I beat before. And then, I'm like, man, am I learning anything? Like, I'm, I felt like I was just kind of plateauing, not progressing, and not getting promoted when I thought <laughs> I wanted, when I thought I deserved. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> we'll talk about that maybe in our next episode. Um, but seeing other people progress when I felt that I should have, like, that can be, that's a battle that a lot of white belts, I think, struggle with as well. So those are a few examples. What about you? The worst part of being a white belt um, I think it's, it's a weird place to be because you feel, especially if you're competing at white belt, because at the same time, like you feel like there's like no expectations on you and all the expectations on you, you know, really, How, like explain. not necessarily, but like, uh, like, so I don't know if I'm explaining this right. So I remember like when it was my second competition at white belt 
and I, uh, it was like my sub, the sub only competition and I got gold and I remember coming back to the studio and having like two separate other people, two guys asking me if they felt like I deserved or like earned. Yeah. What? Yeah. So like that was really strange and weird. weird. Yeah. Cause it was just like, and I don't know if it was like, and they were both white belts too, but it kind of felt like there's like, you know, this weird kind of like, oh, but you know, did you actually do that sort of thing? What? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Write their names down. <laughs> Write their names down. Neither <laughs> of them are here anymore. Okay. Um, and so I don't think either of them like listened to the podcast. I would be shocked if they did. Wow. Um, do you think there was a sexist component to it? Probably a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was just a little bit like strange. But like for the most part at White Belt, like I had a pretty good time. <laughs> like it was kind of different for me too because I had already, um, you know, like gotten a couple colored belts through Japanese Jiu Jitsu, which the time at White Belt for Japanese Jiu Jitsu typically is like quite a bit smaller. Like you're there for like four months, three to five months, I would say, before okay. you can kind of qualify to test for your yellow belt or whatever. Oh, so wow. like it progresses a lot quicker, like okay. most traditional martial arts do. And I knew coming into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that the learning curve is a lot steeper and progressing to your next belt takes a lot more time. Mm -hmm. So I was prepared for that grind, I think, in a way that a lot of other white belts necessarily aren't, if that makes yeah. sense. Like I kind of knew, okay, this is going to take me, you know, this takes the top person like a year at the absolute, mm -hmm. like least amount of time. Um, but we'll typically like, if I can do it in under two years, I'll be in good standing. Right. So I kind of knew that coming into things that it was like, it's going to be a grind, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I think that that's, um, like one of the most frustrating parts of being a white belt is falling in love with the sport, really spending a lot of time on it, really focusing your energy into progressing through it being over a year into it and then having people that know nothing about the sport ask you what your rank is do you know what i mean okay and i see that in a lot of like a lot of my friends at the club who are white belts who are like have been doing it for years and it's not that they're not good but like we went through a pandemic like people have families like different yeah. things have come up mm -hmm. and like they're super into jujitsu and it's like i know that like kind of like weird feeling of like trying to explain to somebody that it takes years to get a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. And like you're fine with your own progress, but other people are like, oh, you're this obsessed with this weird thing. Yeah. And you're a white belt, you know? Yeah. There's that weird expectation. Like some martial arts, like I think karate is a good one where you see like 13 year old black belts, 15 year old black belts. Yeah. Kung Fu I think does it too. Yeah. yeah. And nothing against that sport. Jiu-Jitsu is not that. You no. do not progress that. You'll never see... There's no such thing as a 15-year-old black belt. No. There's high-level teenagers, but Jiu-Jitsu progresses so much slower and the people that are outside of the community don't necessarily understand it. And that's fair. Like, that's not their, that's not their fault. But yeah, it is kind of like, oh, you've been doing this for six years? You're, you should be a black belt by now. Yeah. No, I'm not even a purple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not exactly. even halfway there. No. Really? Like, yeah. People don't realize that it like it takes so much time and so much dedication. Like if you can accomplish getting your blue belt or even four stripes on your white belt, like you've probably put in quite a bit of time. Yeah. Like that's, you know, 
pat yourself on the back. Yeah. Which is why I think that, like, especially at white belt, those stripes, and I'll, like, I'll still stand by this to a certain extent that I think that once you hit colored belt, stripes become a lot less meaningful. Yeah. I think they're still nice, and they're still a nice gauge of your progress. But at white belt, when you're basically just like, you know, still at that beginner level for years, having that little piece of tape is that sweet, sweet incentive oh, to like mark where you're coming from. Yeah. And then when you get into the colored belts, you're just like, even as like a four stripe blue belt or a purple belt, you're just like, man, I still don't know when I'm going to get, you know, my belts, my next yeah. belt. So. Yeah. Yeah. The stripes is uh, coming up as a white belt. It's so meaningful. And it, you remember every single time. I remember what I said. I remember how I felt when I got my first stripe from Haas and, I don't remember necessarily remember who was there, but I remember how I felt, and I it was a tough grind because it was, I think almost eight nine months till you got your till I got my first stripe. Yeah, because Haas was a little bit harder. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he'll admit it. He's yeah. like, oh, he's like, I was hard on harder on a certain individuals coming up when we first started training with him, but um, even now, like color belts coming up there is the expectation you will wait a lot longer um which is fine which i, I agree with yeah but, um but that that piece of tape for some reason is just so just the feeling is you can't really describe how you feel nobody gets it unless you do the, unless you do the sport yeah um i think white belts make every gi look nerdy <laughs> okay, so I was on <laughs> so I was on Reddit the other day and I was talking to somebody like some or not I wasn't talking to anybody. I was reading posts about like somebody shit posted about like how the best belt color is blue belt because it looks best with all the geese. Really? And I disagree. I think purple looks like like there's still some color combos that like I can totally tell like once you get up into like purple and brown when you mash them it's just like eh, yeah. Yeah. Eh. I think if you put a gi on somebody and you put a black belt on them, yeah. you're like, okay, awesome. You put yeah. a white belt on them, you're like, nerd. I think it does, like, <laughs> but it, like, sometimes the colors look really nice together. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I really like the look of, like, um, like, if you're going to have a really obnoxiously colored gi, yeah. a white or black belt looks best with it. Yeah. I mean, purple does clash. Brown does clash with well, Brown a lot can of the clash colors. with some of them, yeah. But when I'm looking at, when I look at somebody with their belt rank... I'm like, okay, white belts are nerdy. <laughs> black, brown belts are... black. I think brown belts scare me more than black belts. Brown like, belts are scary. They scare me because they're rare. Yeah. I don't see a lot of brown belts. And when you do, you know they're hungry for that black belt. And I've heard like people talk about how brown belt is basically just the holding pen for black belts. Yeah. Like you're so close at that point that you're just, you know... They're just looking for you to fine tune a couple things, yeah. but you're so close to that. I level. heard the same thing about purple. I said as a holding pen for I brown. Heard, I heard purple is like you've done your time, you've shown up, you you passed that hump of I'm a blue belt. I know a lot. I can kind of stop showing up as much. No, purple is like you you've kind of went through that grind. You're fine tuning a lot of things. You know quite a few things. Just put your time in and you'll get it. I've heard that. I feel like you can say that about every belt. I think you can say that about every belt. But yeah. when I was talking, I was visiting our uh, our celebrity mother, um, Quinn. Quinn. <laughs> Shout out to Quinn. Shout we out love to you. Quinn again. We love you. And uh, she was explaining to a family member of hers like what 
what had just happened to us when we got our red stripes on our blue belts. And so she was saying, um, most people quit after blue. And she's like, Marty and Kelty didn't quit because they're not quitters and they will be getting their purple belts by the end of the year. Well, we'll see. Well, we'll, we'll see. see. Quinn's very <laughs> I optimistic. I'm not prepared to. <laughs> Me neither. It's so funny. We were talking like last month about how purple belt is so out of our reach. I know. And then we get promoted to, to, four, stripes. to four stripes. Oh my goodness. And so she was saying like just very nice things about purple belt is one of the hardest belts to get. I also agree. Because um, brown... You just got to keep showing up. You got to keep going and fine tune everything and just show dedication. And then that black belt's in your, within the grasp of you. Blue's a tough one to grind through. White belt is the hardest. I, other than white, like, cause just showing up and becoming a white belt, that's the hardest challenge. Yeah. Here's what I think too. Like, I feel like, you know, when you get into blues and purples, um, you're, and not necessarily it's not a requirement, but you if you want to keep progressing at a good speed and you want to keep like taking it seriously, there is some autonomy that you have to take over your own training, yep. in my opinion. Some people might disagree, but I feel like, especially like at white, you're good to just keep showing up to classes, mm-hmm. keep showing up to classes. Like, yeah, there's lots of like YouTube videos, totally do your own study. And I'm not saying that, but I'm saying at white belt, showing up to classes and putting your time in is enough. Mm-hmm. When it gets up to blue and purple, I feel like you have to be a lot more intentional about like how you're training, what you're training, knowing where your weaknesses are and knowing how to really work on those weaknesses effectively. I 100% agree. Um, I would caution trying to pull off YouTube moves as a white belt during rolling. I would be very intentional on working on what you were just taught by the instructor. YouTube moves are cool and everything like that, but there's so much to learn and so much fine detail that you get within the instruction uh, during class. You're not going to get that in a YouTube video or an Instagram reel or a TikTok video. So I would stay away from that. Like I fell into that trap and you just, as a white belt, so much information goes through one ear and out the other. It's hard to retain everything. Yeah. Um, So I would do that. Uh, That's a, piece of advice that I would do for a white belt. Um, and then one thing that helped me to build on what you said to take on some responsibility. One thing that helped me become a better learner was help instruct. Mm-hmm. Um, once you get to a blue belt and a little bit higher, there is a little bit of, I wouldn't say expectation, but you should show that you want to be a leader in the gym. Um, so when I started helping out with teaching certain classes with uh, a brown belt in our in our gym, it made me a better student because if I'm going to instruct somebody, if they don't know anything, I better know what the fuck I'm talking about. hundred percent. You better be able to break it down to the dumbest level that anybody walking into the gym can understand what you're talking about. And you can only do that by knowing what you're talking about really and knowing how to do it and do it slowly and show every fine detail. I'm not that good. I'm, I can do some things, but when it comes to fine detail, like, my friend Chris is a lot better. Class is a lot better because they've been doing it for so much longer. Yeah. I can explain some things, yeah. but not the fine detail that they can get into. Yeah. So becoming a, becoming a teacher helps you become a better student, I think. I think that there needs that, yes, but proceed with caution because yeah. like, my God, the amount of times that I see, and I don't want to like shit talk anybody too much, but I see a lot of people 
teaching things that they have no business trying to teach. Oh man, yeah. Me. Yeah. And so like even as a blue belt, like yeah. whenever I'm talking to people about something that it's like, like if it's not my class and not my, like not my curriculum, but if it's not Haas's curriculum and it's something else, like, and somebody's just like, Hey, can you show me how to finish this choke? A lot of the times I'm like, listen, like if somebody else higher than me tells you a better way of doing this, please yeah. listen to them. This is just what I know. Yeah. I've been very, I've had to catch myself a lot lately now. Um, especially when Haas is in the room. Like people asking me, hey, how do I do this? Don't ask. Like yeah. ask Haas. Like he's the one that you should be asking and raise your hand. If he's not around, I'll try to answer, but I'll probably Agreed. like yeah. this is what I think works. It's not the way. This is my this might be the way or a way. Um but yeah. Blue belts sometimes turn into self-made instructors. <laughs> I fell into that trap. And it was a quick, like, no, 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 no. Yeah. You, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I think at White Belt, that's one thing to be really cautious of is, like, be very aware when you start coaching. Be very aware. I think yeah. that's probably, like, the one of the biggest things that I can say to White Belts. Like, be so cautious about what comes out of your mouth because yeah. a lot of the times I'm seeing people try to teach things that... I literally just watched them fuck up a couple seconds ago. Yeah. White belts, teaching white belts is a dangerous, actually, I, I actually believe it's dangerous. It uh, can in, be in very. Because yeah. you're teaching something that you may, you may have learned a week ago. Yeah. When you just learned. Or you saw on a YouTube video. <laughs> yeah. You saw on a YouTube video. Yeah. And then if the professor sees you trying to pull that off, he might be like, where the hell did you learn that? I didn't teach that. Yeah. And you have, might have some, some explaining to do if you hurt somebody based on this technique or this move that you just tried pulling off. So, yeah, white belts, teaching white belts can be uh, catastrophic for injury. Yes. Yeah, because I've seen white belts injure more people than any other belt injure anyone else. You're more likely to get hurt. Yeah, I think that's true. Like, And I mean, a lot of that is just sort of not having a thorough understanding of the game which takes time to develop and that doesn't mean that you shouldn't try things like i think a lot of the times you know there's that old kind of saying about like you know how sometimes you get that day one white belt who just moves in a really unexpected way and ends up like tapping a higher belt yeah just because it's like we get so ingrained with our sport which is ultimately what we're trying to do a lot of the times that we kind of like forget all these other movements and like yeah. get tied up in our box. Um, but that doesn't mean that that's always going to be like a successful way for you to move and execute things. And a lot of the time can end up in people getting injured in ways that, you know, yeah, or you can just be a blue belt and knee yourself in the face all the time. That's yeah. <laughs> the yeah. other option. <laughs> I mean, as a white belt, there's there's not a lot of expectation for you to know what you're doing um, when it comes to rolling with higher belts. Because it may take you four stripes maybe to blue belt where you really have a better understanding of body awareness. Mm -hmm. Like where your hands are, where your knees are. You're not going to knee your partner in the face if you shrimp really fast or yeah. if you're trying to retain your guard. Stuff like that, like that, because when you're brand new, you kind of flail around like oh, a yeah. fish out of water. And it's not necessarily your fault. It's just that you don't know the basic techniques yet or you don't just haven't ingrained them yet yeah. into your sparring. So as white belts, yeah, it's, it's, 
it takes a while to be fully aware of what your body's doing. And that's how, that's how most people get hurt. Yeah. Is the, is the, when you zig when you should have zagged and your yeah. partner is moving in a direction that you didn't expect and you're trying to retain guard or turn back in, that's when people get hurt. It's not necessarily intentional. No. And that's one thing like, um, you know, especially when I'm talking to women that I make really clear, it's like, do not feel the need to go with white belt men. I barely roll with white belt men. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you're going to have such a, I think that there's this like, um, this anxiety around like asking higher belts to roll because you're like, well, I'm just going to get tapped. It's like, well, yeah, of course you're going to get tapped, but you're going to learn so much more. Yeah. And you're going to be safer doing it. And especially if you're a smaller person, not necessarily like a woman, but a smaller guy even, um, you're going to have like a way safer time if you're rolling with somebody who actually understands what they're doing versus somebody who's like looking to sub you because that's what their only goal that they have in their head is during a roll. Yeah, I would... I hate when I see white belt men rolling with white belt women and just smashing them because honestly like i know a, i have known white belt men who only ask the women to roll i suspect so that they can not feel like they're just getting smashed all the time yeah and white belt women and women of all kinds in jiu-jitsu should not be there just so that you have somebody to make your ego feel better yeah i don't i'll roll with women specifically because if they need help or if I see there's no one else for them to really roll with. That's bullshit. Like, you go out of your way to ask every woman in the gym to I roll. Do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I need a rest round. Rude. <laughs> if, I, if I haven't gone with Haas yet, rude. I know I need a, I need a rest round. So, <laughs> so rude. I love I love rolling with specific women because they force me to be very technical. Yeah. Like when I roll with you, I could just pick you up and smash you against you the absolutely wall. Absolutely. <laughs> but like that's not that's not what we're trying to achieve no. here. What I want is I want to be tested. I want my brain to be tested and my techniques to be tested. So when I roll with you, all of that has to be on point or else I'll get caught. Because you've triangled me so many times. Did that baseball that choke? <laughs> oh yeah. I did not feel <laughs> from the bottom. Yeah, I did not see that coming. All of a sudden I'm like, <laughs> oh, that was tight. That, that was, was good. So funny. But then when I, when I roll with someone like Quinn, who's yeah. levels above me, yeah. I'm like, of course, same thing. I could pick her up and smash her if I wanted to, but th that's not what that's not what I want to do. I want to learn. Yeah. And she just forces me in like a, a world that I'm not used to yet. And she's so much better. Yeah. And then when I roll with like my wife, Corey, obviously I'm better than her, but I get to help her develop as well. I'm like, okay, I try to talk her through things yeah. and test her a little bit. I love doing that. There's advantages to doing that as a man, but when you're a white belt male, you're not necessarily there yet. Yeah. It takes some time. Yeah, it takes some time. Yeah. Uh, what else? What else is white belts? Oh, I had like a thought the other day that I've talked to a couple people about, but it was like I had something click in my head the other day that I think is like helpful to remember. So I feel like a lot of the times we have this idea in our head as we're coming up through white and blue that there's certain stuff that it's like, oh, that's a purple belt move or that's a brown belt move. Mm -hmm. And what you don't, what you lose sight of is that purple belts, brown belts, black belts are still doing the basic movements. Yeah. They're still doing scissor sweeps. They're still doing, you know, yep. triangles from closed guard. They're still doing these like really 
sort of fundamental movements. They're just so much better at doing them. Yeah. Like there's no moves that are specific to a certain belt and there's no moves or positions or sweeps or passes or anything that you stop doing at a certain level. You just really start cleaning up your game yeah. and perfecting those details as you progress. Every technique has a countless amount of fine-tuned details that you're not going to get and not going to remember until you hit maybe purple, brown, black. Yeah. Like even now, like my triangle, like I don't triangle people very often off, off my back and I don't do arm bars from the top because mm. I, I just haven't remembered those fine-tuned details and I don't like putting myself in those positions because I know I, I haven't, I really haven't ingrained those yet. I'm good at specific stuff that I've done over and over and over again. But yeah, like it's just going to take a lot longer. And now I know, like the other day I was rolling with uh, a purple belt, his name's Phil, and I got into north-south and I'm trying to do a north-south choke. And the only north-south choke that I remember, I was taught in like 2018 in Hawaii and I'm trying to remember, I'm like, I think of this, I think of this. And then I'm thinking too much, he gets out. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't, I, I just, cause north south choke isn't a real common position that I do. But now that I'm at a certain level, I've realized, okay, I'm lacking in these specific areas. Like north south, I don't know much about mm. it. Side control stuff, I still need to fine tune some stuff. So. Knowing where your weaknesses are, you're not going to get until you're in a higher, like, a color belt. White belt, you're weak everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, and you definitely feel it, like, but mind you, that's what makes, I think, white belt really, like, satisfying as well. Because I feel like, you know, blue, you kind of, like, slowly connect, collect knowledge and skills and everything. Whereas white belt, it feels like, you know, one day nothing is making sense and then all of a sudden you get to this point where you're like, oh, things are clicking. Yeah. And it's really fun and really exciting. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, like obviously in, in blue that still happens. Uh, I'm assuming purple and brown and black that still happens. But especially at white belt when it's so new mm -hmm. and you all of a sudden kind of see the pieces start to connect and yeah. you start figuring things out. And then all of a sudden somebody who would really give you trouble for months, you're able to tap twice in one roll and you're just like, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good I'm going to get my blue belt next week. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get smashed that week. And then you get smashed. Exactly. Yeah. But like seeing when things are f finally starting to connect at white belt is so cool and so rewarding. It is. It's so cool to see someone that was drowning the whole time for months and months start learning how to swim and trap water and finally learn how to get out and become dominant. It's always nice to see um, because we were all there. Oh yeah, I'm there. I'm there all the time when I'm rolling with specific people. Um, it's so funny. The pecking order in jujitsu is so hilarious. It's like I'll watch, like I'll struggle with somebody who's killing me, and then I watch them roll someone higher or hoss, and I'm like, man, they're not as good as I thought. Maybe I just suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No perspective, right? But yeah, and and as white belt, you're not expected to know what your game is yet. Yeah. I didn't realize what my game was or if I even had a game until halfway through blue mm. and then I got an injury then I had to switch everything up and become far more technical because I was a lot more explosive and a lot more um, kind of like gym bro <laughs> <laughs> but I really had to like calm it down 
because I got hurt and I just can't do some things that I used to be able to do. And it's been, I think, beneficial to my game and the longevity of, of rolling and training because you can't be like that uh, for, yeah. for too long. So white belt, there's no expectation. Um, you're just learning basic stuff and you shouldn't burden yourself with, oh, I don't know how to do a triangle from my back yet. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, I think one thing like to remember with white belt too that I, you know, a lot of the times in what I feel like when I ask white belts, I'm like, oh, what are you working on or what do you want to work on? It's like, it's stuff like that. It's like, how do I finish a triangle? Yeah. It's like, well, how, are you getting to that point? Yeah. Like, you know, that's like, how are you getting there? That's the first point that we need to address. Yeah. Um, and you're like, oh, I don't really have any setups. I'm like, so why are we working on this? You're just jumping right into the deep end, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. There's two classes that our gym has, the two main ones. For brand new people, it's called Foundations. And for more experienced people, it's called Fundamentals. I'm glad you can remember that. <laughs> I can never remember it. I always get confused too, yeah. but if I sign up for Foundations, I look at who's there, I'm like, oh, right. Oh, no. right. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Gotta go to Fundamentals. But like, there's a reason why they're called those specific words. Like, you're learning fundamental things. You're not learning fancy shit. You're learning the fundamentals of like, why is it important to shrimp? Why are, why is bridging important? Why do you turn into your opponent and not turn your back away? Like, why is there one in arm, one arm in, one arm out when you do a triangle? Things like that. How do I trap the right arm? Like, stuff like that. You don't just dive in to a submission. You need to know how to set it up and maintain it. Totally. Yeah. And also, I think a good... Uh, if you're going to be a good training partner, if you have a submission uh, and you lock it in, most submissions, if they're locked in, you're going to finish it. There's no reason to reef on it and like tr almost injure your, your training partner. Like yeah. I see people going for arm bars and like yanking on arms... Like the other day I was rolling with Phil and he got me into like a Kesakatami and he trapped, he, he was trapping my bottom arm between his legs and he was almost crucifixing me and he just, he had it trapped and there was no, I, was, I wasn't going anywhere and he just slowly brought his hips forward, slow, slow, slow and then, okay, I tap. As we're moving to get out of the position, he just accidentally bumped my elbow oh, and yeah. we heard a pop oh. and so it was more of like a knuckle crack yeah. pop but I was like we were both like uh oh yeah. what was that yeah. and so I'm like moving my arm I'm like okay I think I'm fine but I'm still jacked <laughs> I'm still jacked up from the from the roll yeah. and then the next day it, it was a little bit sore mm -hmm. and then I was rolling with him like a couple days later and I'm like I'm so happy that you're not one of those people that you get a submission and then you just you just reef on it because yeah. I would have broken my arm if you did yeah so good training partner, you know when you have the submission, you can always just hold it and slowly finish it. That's a good training partner move. I agree. You're not, it's not a tournament. No. Tournaments, they don't do that. Tournaments, no. you fucking finish. You're out for blood. <laughs> You're out for blood. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I think that's a good uh, good piece of advice for if you know if you have a couple submissions. Yeah. Once they're locked in, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, for the most part. For the most part, yeah. yeah. Um, any last pieces of advice um, for our white belt listeners? Trust, you could tell white belt Marty one thing. What would you tell him? Oh, calm the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> calm down, bro. Uh, trust the process. Yeah. Um, trust your instructor. 
and just keep showing up with a good attitude. This is your journey. Um, everyone's journey is different. My sister, who's a teacher, she just wrote a children's book and she had a really good analogy. She says, when you put a bag of popcorn in the microwave, not all kernels pop at the same time, but they all, but they all taste the same yeah. when, when it's done. So everybody blooms at different times. Your, your kernel pops at a different time than others. And that's fine. That's nothing against you as a person. Some people learn at different paces and they learn in different ways. Um, don't get jealous of people if they progress faster than you. It's not your journey. That's, yeah. your, that's theirs. What about you? Yeah, you covered a lot of the good stuff. I would say um, you're only white belt once. Yeah. You know, and it's not going to get easier. You know, it's not going to become easier. You're going to become better at dealing with it and you're becoming more adept at dealing with it. Um, but you're only ever a white belt once. So take your time at white belt. Enjoy it. Get everything you can out of white belt. Um, think about it. I, I like that idea of like thinking about it as your whole journey. Don't think about it as just like, oh, I got to hit this tournament. I got to get this stripe. I got to get my blue belt. Like it's, it's not that we're in it for the long haul. So it's, enjoy it for the long haul. It's easy for people of color belts to say, don't focus on the belt. Mm -hmm. It's so easy. Cause I remember that's all I was focusing on when I was three, four stripe white, but, uh, focus on the technique of the day. Focus on remembering if you want to take notes, Take notes. Yeah, taking notes is highly underrated in jiu-jitsu. I, I started doing that after I tore my ACL because I wasn't training. So I would come in, I would sit, and I would listen, and I would write down everything that Haas was, was saying. And it actually helped me remember. Yeah. And I still have it in my bag, and I sometimes I'll write stuff down. It does help. 100%. Um, but yeah, you're only white belt once. I like that. Mm -hmm. So trust Enjoy it. Me. Yeah, enjoy the process, <laughs> and it does get harder. Yeah. But. All right. Okay. That's all for us. Thanks for listening. Bye, See you guys next belts. time. Bye. Bye, White Belt. <laughs>